Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. For those of you who are new to apologetics, let me see hands. Who knows what apologetics is? Seven people. All right, that's fine. We can, we can start from square one. So, apologetics, give you guys a brief overview, comes from the Greek word apologia, so it's found in 1 Peter 3.15, be prepared to give a defense for the faith that you have. So it's not necessarily apologizing for being a Christian. What it's more about is understanding the reasoning behind why Christianity makes sense. Okay, So that's mainly what apologetics is focused about. Now, uh, when Mike and I were discussing, um, have you introduced this sermon series yet? Oh, sweet. So, when we were discussing um, some different ideas that would be cool to show you guys, one of the things is, one, like, propaganda right now is memes. I'm sure everybody has seen a meme on their timeline or they're familiar with it, but it's basically like a propaganda pamphlet that takes, uh, it's, it's really good at rhetoric, essentially, where it takes something that tinges on your emotions and gets you charged up and fire up. And so we wanted to break down some really popular memes and show you guys some of the thinking behind it and how you can better understand where they're coming from and where you as a Christian or perhaps even as a doubter would, would see uh, Christianity kind of coming back um, and responding to the meme. So the meme that we're working with today is this guy up here. You don't need religion to have morals. If you can't determine right from wrong, then you lack empathy, not religion. Okay, so this meme makes a lot of statements in a very short period of time. But it's very, very effective because on the, on the surface of it, you really want to agree with it, right? Like everybody wants to have empathy, right? Some people are like, no. I'm my losers, these loser neighbors. So everybody wants to have empathy. And so what this, what this meme does is it plays off of this attribute that we all want to say that we have empathy. This is something, a characteristic we'd all like to have assigned to us. So this meme really plays off of that. It says, hey, this is something that you want to do. Now, <clears throat> it makes quite a few mistakes, and we'll get into that. But it says you don't need religion to have morals. If you can't determine right from wrong, then you lack empathy, not Religion. So we're going to apply some critical thinking to this particular meme. All right, so you guys can take it to the next slide. First up, um, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to make uh, this is an argument for morality. Okay, so what I'm going to try to do is give you guys a great starting point for this conversation. But the beauty of apologetics is that these topics are so vast and so rich that you can spend a great amount of time researching them and going deeper and further into them. But what we find with this particular meme is it does actually come back and validate the existence of God. Okay, And I would even go so far as to say, a God, it doesn't necessarily narrow it down, but I do think Christianity does a great job of answering some of the objections. So first and foremost, it makes the, uh, it makes the fallacy of strawmanning this <clears throat> position. So it says religion is simply a system to understand morals, right? Because they're saying you don't need religion to have morals. 
So it's equating religion with a system to understand morals. Now, why this is important is this view submits religion to morals, meaning that religion isn't some kind of transcendent pursuit of truth. It's more like a system developed to understand a greater system, meaning morals, so religion's ultimately answering to that. And so the principle that the writer of this meme is coming from is they're saying, look, we can have a better understanding of morality, i.e. right and wrong, right, by simply appealing to empathy, okay? So this view submits religion to morals. That's not what most religions claim, though. They claim to be truth, right? Because you've probably encountered someone who is <clears throat> a Christian, for example. And if you were to ask a Christian, can Christianity and Islam both simultaneously be true? They can't. There are parts of both worldviews that are at odds with one another. So you don't have the luxury of them all being accurate. One of them has to be true because they all claim to be truth. So you're, you're left kind of having to pick, okay? So the first thing we want to do is represent religion the way it asks to be represented, okay? So go ahead and head to the next slide. So what they're doing here <clears throat> with this is they're trying to make a truth claim, okay? And we'll do, we'll do a little bit of philosophy 101 tonight. But they're trying to make a truth claim by essentially saying, your view isn't right, okay? And they, they qualify this by saying, you don't need religion, okay? Your view isn't right. My view is right. If you don't have morals, it's not that you lack religion. It's just that you lack empathy. Now, the ironic thing about that statement is it sounds a lot like religion. It sounds very similar to what you would find in religion. It's making a truth claim, but it lacks what I like to call epistemic justification. And I'll get into what that is. Okay, we'll explain what that is. It's just a big fancy word for basically just saying you have to have a foundation to build the idea on top of, right? Um, and I'll give you guys some examples. But the point I want to make here is that religions all claim to be true. One of them inherently claims to be true. They, have to, they position themselves in this way. They can't, you can't, obviously you can't have Islam and Christianity true. Um, you can't have Judaism and Christianity true and so on and so forth. And the same here, you can't have atheism and by the way, this comes from atheistrepublic.com, so this is, a, this is obviously a, an atheist position because they're, they're uh, undermining religion. And to further back this up, I'm quoting Jesus on my, on my next slide. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered, and he's speaking to the disciples, but he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I don't know about you guys, <clears throat> but Jesus doesn't leave a whole lot of room there. Yeah, he, he, he makes it pretty straightforward. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, God, except through me. So you can't say that both Christianity and this other element is true. So therefore, they're making a truth claim. And when you make a truth claim, you have to have epistemic justification, which means you have to have some element of evidence or reasoning in which to base that claim off of. It, it would be like if I said, um, gravity pulls things from the ground up to the sky, okay? 
you'd be like, no, it doesn't. Right? You could obviously observe that. If I drop something, it doesn't go up, it goes down. Right? So in order for my claim to actually make sense, I have to have an epistemic justification for that claim. So it begs the question when they say, if you can't determine right from wrong, then you lack empathy, not religion. This is a presupposition. This is a position that they're immediately just assuming everybody agrees with, that empathy is a good thing. Where this comes into a problem is not... Hum, humans have a tendency to disagree on things. And you could look at people, say, Hitler, Genghis Khan, Mao. I mean, you can name it. I'm sure there's some people in here who'd be like Biden or, or Trump or whatever, right? You can name people in history that don't play by the same rules as you. So now what's happening is you're looking for an authoritarian, I was going to say authoritarian, but it's more so an authoritative figure in which to compare their views to. So if I was to say your views are wrong, I'm comparing them to something. Now, if I'm comparing them to my views, then you could ask the question, well, how do you know your views are right? So this meme makes a problem statement because it doesn't justify why empathy is a good thing. And like, let's say, for example, we'll use the picture. Let's say, for example, this lady that she's helping up, she plans on killing her when she gets up there. Is it good now that she's helping her up there? Should you have empathy for that person? See, it's not as clear, because we need more information. But that's the point, is that empathy is not always the best measuring stick, right? Empathy can mislead us to be empathetic to pedophiles. Why shouldn't I be empathetic to a pedophile? Why not? You see, so this universal standard that they're establishing in this meme very quickly falls apart when you apply it across multiple fields. But again, they're not, <clears throat> they're not expecting you to do that. Memes are banking on the fact that you won't think past five minutes, right? So you have to challenge that and critically think further so that you can ask the question, is empathy always the best thing to have? Should we as uh, Americans, let's say we live in the 40s, should we have empathy towards the German right killing Jews? Should we be empathetic to that? Why should we be empathetic to the Jews and not the Nazis? Why to the Nazis and not the Jews? You're still missing a foundation on which to guide with. Now, morals are given in this abstract form. <clears throat> Everybody knows morality to some, to some degree. So can you guys get uh, the Romans 2.15 slide up for me? So the Bible answers this, okay? You can have moral atheists, and you can have immoral Christians. I know. Shocker. But I'm sure you've met one of both. You've probably met someone you disagree with fundamentally, but you really like them. You're like, man, this, I mean, apart from the fact that you're an atheist, I really like your positions. <clears throat> well, Paul talks about this. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So Paul hits a lot in this short, short verse, okay? <clears throat> and I have to say, never read a Bible verse, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm cheating here because I'm making moral arguments. And so 
I'm taking verses and showing you one at a time. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But what he's talking about here is he's saying that everybody, God wrote morality on everyone's heart. And he later goes on in Romans to discuss the fact that that's why no one will have an excuse when it comes to death, because we all have something given to us. Nature, we have this innate sense that taking human life is wrong, that invalidating another person's autonomy is wrong, right? It's always like consenting adults, right? Especially when you want to focus on like, you know, a hot button topic like the homosexuality issue or something like that. It's, well, it's consenting adults. And so what they're doing there is they're establishing value in the human being's autonomy. Do not violate a quote-unquote innocent being's autonomy or their nature, okay? And the Bible speaks to that. It says we are images of God, and therefore that's why it's wrong to violate that nature. Sin is an eternal transgression against an eternal being. If you've ever wronged a person, you've wronged an eternal being, and thus why sin is eternal. Now, again, this is an important verse because, and if you're really curious about this, I would recommend going and reading all of Romans. But Paul spends a good amount of time, <clears throat> he spends a good amount of time, my voice is dry from singing. <laughs> he spends a good amount of time in Romans speaking to the fact that people know, they just know without a shadow of a doubt, that there is something valuable to a human life. Right? And that's, that's where you get into these, these deep debates of like pro-choice, pro-life, that kind of thing. <clears throat> We're battling in the morality realm. Okay, next slide. Okay, so <clears throat> what I want to show you is what they think it is and what it is. And this is why it ultimately breaks down right here, is the fact that you have morality, what they think it is is human beings can simply just understand morality, right? They can just get it. It's downloaded. Everybody's got the same software, and that's, they, they don't want to talk about the people who disagree. Now, what it really is is it's morality being interpreted by other human beings telling other human beings how they should live. Now, this breaks down because you don't have any authority, there's no justice in this system because all it takes is me to have my value disagree with your values. Then who's right? Well, morality, right? But that's so vague. It's so general. It doesn't really provide us anywhere to go. Now, how does Christianity solve this problem? Or, why, or I could say, how does theism solve this problem? <clears throat> so what theism does is in the next slide... <clears throat> It says that God is the solution to the moral authority issue because God's nature, thank you so much, I appreciate that. Uh, God's nature and morality are one and the same. So you're not, you're not looking, you're not going to have issues with human beings uh, trying to say that their morality is superior. What you should have is all human beings submitting themselves to God's authority and then that provides grounds for which all of us to submit to. Because now, uh, I, I read the expression, and this is coming from Romans as well, that it's not up to the servant, if you will, to decide the other servant's value to the master. That's the master's position. The master tells the servant, this is what I value from you. This is what I value about you. So God is the one who gives you your value. He's the one who determines what makes you valuable? He's the one 
that you go to to check and check yourself, as it were, to find out if what you're doing is the right thing or the wrong thing, not another human being, because we are faulty in our interpretations of that. And that's why God, fun fact, gave us a Bible and gave us consciousness, right? He gave us a conscience and the Bible so that we could use both these tools together to find out, are, are, or excuse me, am I in line with what God wants, with what the Creator wants? And I can assure you, He knows your purpose better than even you do. So if you're struggling to try to find your purpose or whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, I'm going to give you a shortcut. Okay, spoiler alert. You just go ask God. You just go ask Him. He will give you the answer. He might not give it to you in a time frame that you prefer, or He might not give it to you in a way that you want, right? Because we all ask God to, to green light things that uh, <laughs> we know deep down He shouldn't. Like, God, I just really hope the Chiefs win on Sunday because that would be your will. Okay, so Paul then further, if you go into the next slide, Paul then further expands on this consciousness point. And he says, Acts 23.1, And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good consciousness up to this day, or good conscience up to this day. Now, the reason I underline this is I feel like this is such a concise way to line this up. Before God in good conscience. Before God in good conscience. Morality, the, the arguments for God through morality, it's not to say that everything is black or white. It's just to say that even if you can establish anything being good, meaning if you can say that empathy is always good or justice is good, right? Right kinds of justice, right? Not this social justice that just happens to be open to interpretation, but universal justice, wrongs being right or righted, those are good things right? Or saying that people's autonomy shouldn't be violated. Other, other innocent people shouldn't be killed. These things are, are they're, they're hearkening back to a moral foundation that establishes value. And it's a value outside of human beings because if man gives, then man can take away. But God gives, and God can take away. Okay, so that summarizes why you need God to solve the moral problem. You need a God to establish value in human beings' lives. If naturalism is true and we're all just germs that evolved into fish and into frogs, and then forgive me, my biology is weak on that, but you, you guys get the gist, right? Like, we're just really evolved forms of natural material. What gives us the right to be more valuable than some algae on a rock? What gives us the right? I mean, we can, we can just say it. I mean, we can just say, well, people are more valuable. You can't, you can't just do that, right? It's, it's good for the society. Well, it depends on the society you live in, right? I mean, if you were, if you were a Jew in Nazi Germany, it probably wasn't so awesome uh, that you were a Jew because they thought the best thing for society at the time was to get rid of them. And, of course, they would say, well, that would never happen. Well, unfortunately, it happens all the time all over the world. I mean, you look at China right now, and there's concentration camps. So what we have to do is we have to have an authority to base our values in outside of us. Because when we base the values inside of us, then everything's just arbitrary, and everything's up to interpretation. And so you just get, you get the same values 
uh, or you just get the you get people telling other people how they should be living. But nobody can really establish any kind of truth because it's all just your opinion at the end of the day. And so I want to leave you guys with a parting thought that your conscience is an important part of appealing to what God wants you to do, right? And here's a fun fact. In the next slide. In Nazi Germany, over 90% of the culture considered themselves Christian. Who knew that? Who knew that 90% of Nazi Germany considered themselves Christian? Fascinating. It shows you that just because you claim something, that doesn't mean anything. Even Christians have to answer to a greater authority. And when Christians get away from that, you see this. You see us giving in to the culture, saying this is what's right. Jews should be gone. Right? Or, or whatever it currently is. I mean, we've got a lot of topics in current day uh, society that you're, you're getting forced down your throat. And, and sometimes you're not really sure if that's the right thing to swallow or not. So I would recommend chewing on all of them and seeing if it comports with the word of God. Even God posits in Romans 13 that governments are there to enforce his law, divine law. And if they're not doing that, they need to be checked. And so we have a conscience for a reason. You don't just go to church and claim you're a Christian. You learn from God, you learn from the word, and you learn from your conscience. Together, you're able to interpret what God gives you. And that is that meme debunked. All right, so I'm going to pray and close it out, and then uh, we can go into the Q&A period, so if you guys have questions, uh, they don't necessarily have to pertain to morality, but uh, we, can, we, can, we can go there. So let me pray for everybody, <clears throat> and we'll go from there. Father in heaven, Lord, we, uh, we, we just love you so much. We thank you for imparting your ability for discernment into our lives. We are spiritual beings. We understand that there is something unique and valuable about the human life. And Lord, we just, we just urge um, ourselves to just press into your wisdom and not our own so as to better understand where to go, what to do, how to do it. Um, and so, Father, we just, we just, I hope that anybody who's here tonight that is considering Christianity or maybe a Christian who's on a fence or maybe a Christian who just needed to strengthen their faith will then have that come through you and your wisdom. So, Father, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them. They would come into that. They would seek that understanding with all they are. The Bible says that if you seek, I will answer. So seek with everything that they are. And, uh, Father, we just ask all these things. Bless everybody here. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. that. Uh, and like you said, we're going to go ahead and do a bit of a, a Q&A portion. So let me get into the main camera. Hey, hello, live stream. Great to see you guys. So you guys can ask questions too. Uh, so if you want to go ahead right now, put your questions in the comments um, and we will get to some of those. I think there are some already in there. Stephen Castell has one. If we could start off with that one uh, and I'll go ahead and read it. And it okay. is. What is Charlie's definition of religion? So what is your definition of religion? Pursuit of truth. <clears throat> I mean, that, that would be a functional definition. I mean, that's not the Webster definition, but that would be the functional definition. It's people's pursuit of truth, um, but whether that's their truth or the truth, um, is, those are two different things, right? So Awesome. 
Um, our screen blacked out, so give us three seconds. Yeah, too many questions. Uh, does anybody in the audience have a question? Yeah, if you guys have a question here, you can just yell it at me, and then I can do my best to answer it. Um, The question is, what what do you say your conscience is? Would you say that your conscience is God? Okay. Uh, no. Um, I would say that uh, your conscience is, I would almost kind of equate it to like a spiritual software that tries to correct you. Because even, even Paul talks about the fact that it can excuse behavior or accuse behavior. So it kind of provides you this this wind to get you in this right direction, a compass, but you still need to inform it. I mean, there's this uh, dichotomy between your conscience and your mind. Your mind is an independent element capable of thinking versus your conscience would be like, um, if I slap somebody and then I'm like, they were being mean, I'd feel bad about slapping them, you know, even though they might've deserved it. (laughs) So it's like, I can justify it using my mind. I can excuse the behavior. But my conscience will still like peck at me and convince me. And I think that when you have the Holy Spirit, it supercharges that. So that anytime you like, you're way more aware um, versus like someone without the Holy Spirit. Like they still like people without uh, the Holy Spirit in their life. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that. I, I don't know for sure. There's no way to test that um, apart from just witnessing their life. But um, people with the Holy Spirit are like supercharged versions, but you still have these other people over here like atheists who would say that empathy is a good thing and that consenting adults is a good thing. And it's like, what does consent even matter uh, at, when, when you're talking from a naturalistic perspective? So I, I think that everybody has a conscience that corrects the behavior, but Christians, when they have the Holy Spirit come into their life, are much more aware of what they're doing and how that tiny thing can cascade into bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger things. So it's not God. Um, I think it's a feature that God gives us. And then the Bible also says that our conscience will bear witness against us uh, at the end of this life. So all the things that you do that you think nobody saw, I mean, you saw it, right? You recorded it. And so God plays that back for you. So the conscience kind of performs a a mechanic, it's kind of a mechanical function, uh, spiritually speaking, versus it being its own independent entity. Awesome. That, that was a really good explanation to that. Thank you. Um, Martha McNeil has a question, and her question is, how do values and morality differ? Okay, so morality would be the umbrella that's trying to establish values. So morality is the landscape of good and bad, and then values would be virtue in between vices. So like a value would be uh, don't hit children. That would be a value. Um, and then morality... <sighs> Is it moral to uh, do capital punishment, for example? That's a morality question. Uh, A value question is, what are good values for people to have, universally speaking? Okay. Um, Let's see if we have any more questions, and feel free to shout anything out. Yes, you in the right there, Mr. Mike. The, The question would then become, I mean, I would answer the question with a question, of why isn't it more geared towards survivability then? Why is empathy, why would morality, move, why would morality evolve to empathy if, it's, if we're just DNA and matter trying to survive, right? Because if God's not real and there's no transcendent realm and the natural realm is all there is, 
then wouldn't the ultimate goal to be stay in this life as long as you can? If that were true, then firefighters who go in and kill themselves uh, trying to rescue somebody from a burning building have wasted their existence. I mean, why even bother have that? Because it would be better from, from a naturalistic perspective, it, it would be better to have no firefighters, apart from the kind that would just keep more destruction from spreading. I mean, they would contain it, and people would be like, there's five people in there, and be like, yeah, why would we send 10 strong species in to go get those five? It's a numbers game. Like, why does it matter at that point? So my question would be, how do you explain the, uh, how do you explain the normative elements of morality, such as uh, the weak deserve protection, um, how do you explain why it's not okay to just watch someone go hungry and die on the side of the road? How do you explain empathy? How do you explain taking care of the disabled? How do you explain those things on, on, a, on a naturalistic perspective? That would be the challenge I would present to them. I'd say, please <laughs> inform me, because if, if what they say is true from their worldview to remain consistent, the question is, how do we go from survival of the fittest to, okay, everybody should survive now. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's only limited resources. It was the innate value of people. And, that, and the Bible talks about that being one of the strongest things that tings people's consciousness, is that you have people, there, there was a famous poet out of France in the 17th century, and he said that he was an atheist until he met true evil, and then he knew there was a God. So it's like, sometimes you have to have that dance with the devil before you realize that there's something more out there. Um, and, and I think that that is by design. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that God designed evil, but I would say that sometimes you have to go in the shadow to appreciate the sun. Or, go ahead. Yeah, let's see if we have any more Our cats better than dogs. Our cats better than dogs, LOL. I would say uh, I'm a dog person. Um, we have cats and dogs, but yeah, dogs are better. That doubt. They're just way cooler. I have no opinion on the matter. I like them both Where equally. Did we get our I cherish them for each, like, for yeah, their own are. unique qualities. Their own right. unique qualities, exactly. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, Stephen Castell has a question How do they define those things as naturalist? We're not talking about dogs and cats anymore, by the way. Uh, I need more context. I'm not sure. I don't know. Stephen, I don't understand the context of the question. Can you provide more context, please? So that'll be here in about five minutes. Okay. So let's go to another question real quick. Let me get this down. Um, Robert V. Hill, where did we get our DNA from? I think I can answer this one. God? <laughs> is, yeah. Is that a good answer? Do you have more on I that? Was, I was having this discussion this week. Um, yeah. Ultimately, God. It, it, becomes the, it becomes the proverbial domino question. Um, you get a scientist and a theologian, and they walk into a building, right? And the scientist sees 8 billion dominoes lined up in a sequence. And the scientist says, well, I'm going to just explore each domino at each step. And so they're identifying next step, next step, next step, next step. And so the theologian says, where'd this domino come from? And he says, that domino. And he says, where's that domino come from? He says, that domino. And where's that domino come from? And that domino. And so the... the the, the proverb continues on until finally they get to the end and there's no more dominoes and the theologian looks at the scientist and he says, where's the next domino? The scientist goes, give us time. <laughs> we will find it. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, Lily Chapman has a question. Okay. <laughs> that's, a question. Um, that's not a question. Why are Why cowboys are... better than the Chiefs? 
I would hate to break it to you, Lily, but uh, the evidence would disagree. Uh, looks like Stephen Castell. Yeah, he, he clarified. Okay, so he provided some clarification. He said, you were questioning how they come up with uh, values and morals and empathy. Obviously, they do to at least some degree. What have you found that their answer to your questioning, uh, their definitions? Um, so Sam Harris, he, I, I guess his work would be... Um, William Lane Craig mentions another one that I've yet to look into, but Sam Harris, I would say, is the forefront, and his argument would be that it's ultimately good for the human species to have empathy so as to allow preservation uh, as a whole, and he argues from value because he says that people who uh, might have a disability, for example, um, one I can think of off the top of my head would be like Johnny and Friends. She's a woman who was disabled from the neck down, and then she created all this good with her life and her legacy. He would say that somebody like that, um, you could never calculate the value they would contribute to society as a whole, and so therefore they have value innately because you can't calculate the eventual value that they have. Um, but the problem is, is it's that you're not, again, you're, you're, you're using this value mechanism to establish contributions to society. So, yeah, maybe that one does, but then you have people who are going to argue for things like euthanasia and say, well, why would it be wrong to kill 50 or 60-year-old people? Um, and I'm sorry for anybody in here who's around that age, but you, you would have a euthanasia argument of saying, like, once people have hit, whatever the number is, it, it's just arbitrary, but whatever the number is, why can't we just get rid of them so they no longer drain resources from society? So it, it just continues to beg the question of, well, how far can we take that? And, and they're going to place these random walls up and say, well, you can't do that. You can't bring in euthanasia. And then the question is, why not? And then they're going to say, well, people have value. And you're like, aha, <laughs> why do people have value? So it, it always just circles back to people innately have value. And, and the question is, why do people innately have value? And the Bible provides an answer to that. It says, look, like we come from a God. He, is a, he gives us his image. He says that we are image bearers. We're spiritual, eternal beings. We are given this gift. And therefore, when I lie or sin or cheat against someone who's a human being, uh, that person lives on forever. And so the sin I committed against them lives on forever. That's why we needed an eternal uh, forgiveness. Awesome. Uh, I think that's about all the time we have. So, Matt. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster. As well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.